The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by IBM. Big data at the speed of business. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to take a moment to welcome members of our armed forces who are joining us over the Internet today. Thank you for being with us. In just a moment, Senate Majority Leader Mr. Trent Lott will be joining us to talk about what lies ahead for the new Republican-controlled Congress and whether this marks a continuation or an end to gridlock in our nation's capital. What will the new Senate do differently? We're going to see if we can answer that question in the next hour by talking to a veteran who has been through more than one power shift in Washington. But before Mr. Lott joins us, as is my custom each week, let me tell you a little about his background. Chester Trent Lott was born in Granada, Mississippi. His father was a sharecropper and later worked in a shipyard near Pascagoula. The young Lott attended public schools throughout his youth and received both an undergraduate degree in public administration and his law degree from the University of Mississippi. Lott's political career began in 1968 when he accepted a position as administrative assistant to Congressman William M. Colmer. When Colmer retired, he endorsed Lott as his successor for the 5th District, and Lott easily carried the race, joining the U.S. House of Representatives in 1973, where he also served as House Minority Whip. Then in 1988, Lott threw his hat in the ring for the Senate and was re-elected again in 94, 2000, and 2006. He served as Senate Minority and Majority Leaders prior to stepping down in 2007. Today, Lott is a partner in the lobbying and consulting firm of Squire, Patton, and Boggs and is a senior fellow at the Bipartisan Policy Center, where he co-chairs the Commission on Political Reform and Energy Project. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report a man who Newt Gingrich once referred to as the smartest legislative politician I have ever met, Mr. Trent Lott. Welcome to the program, Mr. Lott. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you, Rebecca, and I'm uh, honored to follow this line, long line of outstanding uh, guests that you've had before. <laughs> well, thank you. Actually, many of them from the Bipartisan Policy Center. We uh, were great fans of the center and your work there. Yeah. Now, yeah, now uh, there, there's been a lot of speculation about whether the new GOP-led Senate is going to uh, cure or fuel gridlock in our nation's capital, and you recently had some uh, some good advice for McConnell on dealing sternly with obstructionists. So perhaps we could start today's conversation there. Now that the GOP has a majority, isn't it in their benefit to show movement? Hello? Mr. Lott? Mr. Lott? Well, it seems as though we've temporarily lost Mr. Lott's phone signal. Uh, he was nice enough to call into the program from uh, being on the road, and I, I suspect these winter storms, which are currently moving across the country, might have something to do with the dropped line. But uh, we have engineers who are working on getting Mr. Lott back on the line. So while we're waiting... Let me mention that one of the things that gives Trent Lott a bipartisan perspective is the fact that he started out as a Democrat and then only later joined the Republican Party. And and so he has the rare ability to know how each side thinks, what motivates them, and how to facilitate collaboration. And if you ask me, in, in my view, these are skills that are badly needed in our nation's capital at this important time, uh, particularly um, now that we have a, a change in Congress and uh, Republican-led Senate and House, uh, because 
look, if we don't find a way to work the way businesses do when executives don't agree, um, we're going to bear witness to a country that continues to fall behind on the world stage. Uh, and, and when you think about it, that's the real price of gridlock. Now, I don't happen to think that um, that the instability uh, that we're experiencing is is unrelated to the fact that uh, we have an absence of leaders who know how to work with people with whom they disagree or have different philosophies. So um, I think what's good for the United States tends to be good for the world uh, in general. Uh, we create a more stable environment in the world when uh, we're more stable and centered ourselves. Uh, so now I understand that our engineers have been able to get Trent Lott back on the line. I, I see some movement. I see some happy faces. They are waving at me. <laughs> so I think Mr. Lott's back on the line. Let's see if we can uh, get him engaged again. Mr. Lott? Yes, ma'am. Oh, I don't, you know, we're okay. going through a historic storm out here, and I think the... Well, uh, I apologize. The, okay. uh, I think the yeah, technology okay. gremlins got... All right. Well, I'm ready to go again. Now, there's been a lot of speculation about uh, whether the new GOP-led Senate's going to cure or or fuel uh, gridlock in our nation's capital. And you've had some good advice for Mr. McConnell on dealing sternly with obstructionists. Um, Isn't it their benefit to show some movement here? There's no question that they need to show movement. And I think Mitch McConnell has been saying the right things and intends to try to find a way to get it to move. Uh, He needs to be able to count on some uh, cooperation from President Obama. And President Obama has indicated maybe in the trade area uh, they could do some work together. Um, you know, the, the, the Senate uh, can pass things, but they still got to pass them in such a way the president will sign them. But uh, Senator McConnell, as majority leader, has got, you know, this tough job. Uh, but he wants to go back to letting committees do their work and have amendments in committee and then have debate and votes on the floor of the Senate. That would be very positive. The Senate hasn't passed a budget now, I think, in like six years. They ought to pass a budget which lays out the parameters for the year. So there are a number of things he can do. Uh, but it's going to take strong leadership on his part. Uh, it's going to take uh, cooperation from the members on both sides of the aisle, and he needs some help from Harry Reid. And I think Senator Reid has indicated that he understands that he'll have a different role in the minority, and maybe they can find a way to work together. But the American people really do want that. Uh, when you look at the approval ratings of the Congress, uh, it's clear uh, that uh, people don't like gridlock. And hopefully that they can find some areas to work together. I think energy is another area where they can get some things done in a bipartisan way that would be good for jobs, for the economy, and for our country. Well, absolutely. And you and Tom Daschle would also like to see power restored to committee chairs. Absolutely. Uh, That's what uh, is referred to in Washington as regular order, where you go back and you've got uh, capable, experienced men and women that will be serving as uh, the leaders of their committees. Uh, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska will be chairman of the Energy Committee. Orrin Hatch of Utah will be chairman of the Finance Committee. Those are two very, very important committees. Uh, they are proven leaders, and Mitch McConnell be, would be well advised to put confidence in them. Tell them, I want an energy bill on uh, energy efficiencies ready to go to the floor by the 1st of March. And, and tell the Finance Committee, we want to work with the President on the Trade Promotion Authority. So uh, that would really do a lot to get things back on track. Committees have just been almost you know, uh, dormant for the last two years. And that's a huge mistake uh, in a legislative body like the United States Senate. Well, you don't but get Senator a lot Dashwell done without those... You can right. you don't get a lot done without those committees, no, and they're, no. and as you Senator as you point Dashwell. out, they're they're headed by extremely seasoned and competent individuals. Oh, absolutely. Now, unfortunately, we have we've got to go to our first break. We have a hard break okay. here, but when we come back, let's let's talk about some specifics like health care, where compromise may be the wiser course of action. You're listening to the Costa Report. Biodiversity is the very fabric of our lives. It is everything around us, all of nature. But human impact is diminishing biodiversity at an alarming rate. And because of that, 
The intricate web of biodiversity is unraveling in ways we don't fully understand, and our world is becoming less resilient. That's why we are biodiversity advocates. We're the E.O. Wilson Biodiversity Foundation. Guided by the greatest living naturalist, E.O. Wilson, we champion research and education that expands our understanding of biodiversity and informs worldwide conservation efforts. The E.O. Wilson Biodiversity Foundation is building a movement of environmental stewards like you who share our sense of responsibility for the living world that is our home. Join us in our quest to protect biodiversity, the fabric of our lives. Visit eowilsonfoundation.org. Do you love creating salads as much as you enjoy eating them? Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Dole inspires fresh and wholesome dishes for any meal with their wide selection of salad blends and all-natural salad kits. From the mild and tender texture of sweet butter lettuce to the crunch of classic romaine sprinkled with colorful shredded carrots and red cabbage, Dole has over 30 salad blends to satisfy every palate. If you're looking for the ultimate in convenience, try Dole's unique salad kit combinations that include farm-fresh lettuces and vegetables, mouth-watering all-natural toppings, and specially made dressings. It's all you need to make a distinctively delicious salad. The possibilities are endless. Visit www.dolesalads.com for recipes and other ideas to feed your culinary imagination. The holiday season is just around the corner, and I want to share one of my favorite tips for being able to avoid that last-minute dash to buy something that screams, I didn't put much thought into this. Now imagine a different scenario this year. Imagine the surprise on your loved one's face when they open the first page of the Watchman's Rattle and see a custom dedication in their name by the author. The best part is it's so easy. Just go to RebeccaCosta.com, do it right now, and click on the book cover and presto. In less than three minutes, you can request the inscription you want. So do it now. Go to RebeccaCosta.com, and this year, give an affordable, thoughtful gift that says, this is for you and only you. That's RebeccaCosta.com. You may have heard about the 90 essential nutrients or the Mighty 90 needed for good health. But with all the products out there, what exactly are they talking about? The Mighty 90 is 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 60 plant-derived minerals, and 2 essential fatty acids. So, now you know. But with all the products you see and hear advertised, what exactly do you buy to come up with the Mighty 90 and the right ratios to promote good health? Longevity has made it easy with the Healthy Start Pack, which contains one canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Vitamin and Plant-Derived Mineral Complex, one bottle of Bone and Joint Enriching OsteoFX Plus, and one bottle of EFA Plus Essential Fatty Acids, all in the proper ratios to promote good health and vitality. For more information or to order, call Andy or Phyllis Anderson at 888-245-0300. That's 888-245-0300. Do you have a plan for your money? Does your money come and go like the tides? Do you just leave your finances to fate? Cash is always flowing, money is always moving, and if you don't manage it, it will move away from you. So many people actually spend more time planning their next trip to the dentist than they do something even more important like their retirement. You know what they say, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. Don't leave your financial future to fate. Take charge. Listen to Money Moves every Thursday at 7 p.m. here on KSCO AM 1080. Money Moves is dedicated to providing you tips and tools so you can manage your own money effectively. No one cares about your money more than you do. Therefore, you need the skills to manage your money. Listen to Money Moves every Thursday at 7 p.m. here on KSCO AM 1080. Welcome back 
to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is former Senate Majority Leader and Senior Fellow at the Bipartisan Policy Center, Mr. Trent Lott. And before the break, you were making the point that one way to get movement in Congress is to restore power and confidence to committee chairs. So um, let's now talk about uh, a specific program and how both sides can come together for the good of the American people. Uh, Earlier this month, you urged Republicans to work with the president to fix the technical errors which need to be corrected, uh, errors such as tax credits, which are only allowed for uh, insurance coverage purchased from state health care exchanges. And, and you made the point that the drafters intended for tax credits to be available for insurance purchased from any exchange, not just those offered by the state. So why don't the two sides come together and try to agree on some reasonable reforms to put before the president? That, that sounds like a, maybe a good first step. Well, uh, first of all, no bill has ever been written by mortal men and women that didn't uh, need some improvements or had some mistakes in it. And quite often with a major bill like the Affordable Care Act, uh, referred to usually as Obamacare, you would follow it quite quickly with a technical corrections bill. For some reason, and maybe just an oversight or maybe it was too politically hot a potato to mess with further, they didn't do that with uh, Obamacare. So I do think that next year Republicans are going to feel that they need to repeal and replace Obamacare. But the president's going to veto that. Then the question is, what will they be able to do to work together? To uh, It's on the books. Uh, the president's got to veto. So what can they do then to work together to improve some of the problems that uh, have been identified clearly, by, even by Democrats, uh, in the in Obamacare law? And I would think that they could probably find three or four rifle shot areas where they could do something that would improve or change it to make it more palatable and and usable by the American people. So I hope that they will look at it that way. A lot of people just say, we don't want to hear it, just repeal it. It's not going to happen. So do what you have to do, but then get serious about doing some things uh, so that the the people that are going to benefit from this health care have it available to them in a a fair and productive way. And so I I think there is an opportunity there, and uh, I know at least two or three areas where they could uh, make some improvements. Well, as you point out, uh, you know, very few laws and and legislative initiatives are perfect right out the chute. Uh, It's not uncommon for amendments and and reforms to be made. Uh, I don't think that this is any different from any other thing, although it's being treated that way. And yet you've got Senate Majority Leader McConnell saying that he just plans to leave the need for reforming Obamacare to the Supreme Court. But that doesn't sound like the kind of leadership you and Tom Daschle want to see. No, and also, depending on what the Supreme Court does, may lead to the, the further need or requirement to address, you know, what happens if the court does rule one way or the other. So court ruling, they may not be able to fix it. They may say, we're going to strike down this part of it, uh, which could cause huge problems. Now, the whole thing may collapse if you pull out some of the issues, some of the things that are in the bill. Uh, then, then the whole system is going to have real problems. I, I, I think the courts will play a role. I don't think that they can will be able to fix the problem uh, without uh, some further congressional action. But you know, Tom Dash and I, we had our disagreements. Uh, sometime, you know, I would work around him and, and work with President Clinton, and sometime he worked around me and would work with President Bush. But our overall goal, both of us, was look, let's let's uh, you know, state our principles, let's argue over the details, but let's find a to get a result that's important for the American people. And we were able to do that uh, on, on budgets, taxes, welfare reform, safe drinking water, portability insurance, military pay, telecommunications reform, issue after issue. While it took months sometime, we found a way to get it done. And now, I do admit, Rebecca, times are different. Uh, the media is different. Uh, social media plays a role. The people are different. Uh, it was just a different time and a different culture. But I do think yeah, that, but, uh, but, uh, Mr. Lott, people are not yeah. different. Human beings, no. the way that we get together, the way we collaborate. I mean, all right. of these technological changes, these media right. changes, that doesn't right. really change the fact that when you're standing having a beer and a barbecue, a lot gets done. Even right. the socializing aspect right. of in Washington, right. D.C. has deteriorated. Right. Nobody it, socializes it with anybody yeah. else. Well, you know, as Tom Daschle and I say, in fact, my friend Tom Daschle points out that he thinks one of the greatest problems in Washington is the airplane. 
And people say, what do you mean? He says, because members don't stay here anymore. They don't bring their families here. They don't live here. They don't socialize with each other. All they want to know is when they come in on Tuesday morning, what time can I leave Thursday afternoon? You cannot do that. You cannot legislate in two and a half or three days. Well, I think uh, Daschle says that they're only legislating on Wednesday. But really, that's true. <laughs> one day, one day. Really, I mean, are our leaders in Washington actually only working one day a week? Because if they are, I want that job. Yeah, well, yeah, no, I'm not sure you want that job, but that's one of the things that has already been done. I mean, simple things like the House and the Senate for the last two years quite often have not in, even been in session the same weeks. The House would be out one week, the Senate was in, the next week they'd flip-flop. How do you, how do you coordinate and work with each other when you're not even here at the same time? But uh, they've already put out a calendar for next year, both the Senate schedule and the House schedule, and it's, they're going to they're gonna work more days, uh, they're, they're going to work full days, and that's one thing that Mitch McConnell has promised, that they're going to work... Uh, you know, they're going to work like other people do, Mondays and Fridays. And, uh, you know, th- that uh, I think will will help a great deal. In well, I think they might product. be out of touch with the American people because most people yeah. I know are working seven days a week. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> Just to get by. So, I, you know, I'd like to see our, our folks in Washington. I know I speak for a lot of people, uh, you know, put in a good week's worth of sure. work. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And, because I don't yeah. know how you deal with these complex global issues by meeting face-to-face one day a week. Well, and and they've got to stop that. I think they've gotten that message, uh, you know, the very idea to the American people. You mean you don't don't work but one or two days a week now? Of course, the argument is they go home and they work their constituency. But, you know, that's good. You have to do that. You have to do that on weekends. And, by the way, they're still going to have three weeks they work in Washington and one week back in their district or their states. But those three weeks that they're up here voting and legislating, they have to be here. And that's, that's, that's where the job is. It's not back in Biloxi, Mississippi, or San Jose, California. So uh, they're going to have to change the, 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 the process. Uh, and process is important. Substance is what you're after. But if you don't have a process that gives you the ability to think these things through and do them in the right way and actually debate them and vote on them, you don't get anything. I, I also feel that there's almost a, um, uh, what do I want to say, um, uh, a philosophy of of becoming a flaw-seeking missile. You know, anybody proposes anything and you're looking for what's wrong with it so that you can just say no and shoot it down. And I tell people, if you're saying no all the time, then that is the same as gridlock. Yeah. Yeah, I I never would want to be a part of the the Hell No uh, Caucus. Uh, No matter what your philosophy is or your point of view, uh, no action is not the solution. In fact, I've talked to some of the the new members uh, that are are conservatives, and I said, "Look, inaction is not conservative. You don't you don't reduce the number of regulations by doing nothing. You have to find a way to participate in the process uh, and get a result." Uh, and uh, you know they have quit uh, doing that. That's one of the reasons why I did leave the Senate when I did. It was getting so hard to get anything positive done, and it was mean. Yeah. You, you know yeah. you shouldn't try to destroy your opponent. Debate them and vote. And, and the winner moves on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I understood why you stepped down. Uh, now, right. we've got to take another uh, short okay. break. And when we come back, we'll talk about why Mr. Lott feels that, that uh, reversing the so-called nuclear option it may be the key to restoring business as usual. You're listening to the Costa Report. Big data is being generated by everything around us all the time. Every digital process and social media exchange produce it. Systems, sensors, and mobile devices transmit it. Big data is arriving from multiple sources with ever-increasing velocity, volume, and variety. It's becoming the world's newest resource for competitive advantage, allowing decision-making to move from the elite few to the empowered many. The escalating demand for insights requires a fundamentally new approach to architecture, tools, and practices. To extract meaningful value from big data, you need optimal processing power, analytics capabilities, and skills. Find out how IBM Big Data and Analytics can transform your business. Visit www.ibm.com slash big data today. That's www.ibm.com slash big data. Hey guys. 
Will Durst here with your eagerly anticipated top 10 comedic news stories of 2014. Now, please do not confuse these with the top 10 legitimate news stories of 2014. Nah, nah, they're as different as banjos and bullfrogs. There were quite a few events that lent themselves to humorosity-ness, and these are them. Number 10. The new study by German scientists suggesting that beer helps prevent prostate cancer. So let's stop calling them bars and start referring to them as what they are. Clinics. Number 9. The Winter Olympics in Sochi. And the world is relieved when Vladimir Putin doesn't enter the triathlon by slapping on skis and shooting Ukrainian journalists. Shirtless. Number 8. The Ice Bucket Challenges, which swept the country. Celebrities enjoy being seen as all wet during the summer. These days, not so much. Number 7. Toronto Mayor Rob Ford runs for re-election, but Torontoans refuse to give him another crack at it. Number 6. Pope Francis says his theology is not in opposition to evolution. This guy really does look determined to drag the Catholic Church kicking and screaming into the latter half of the 19th century. Number 5. Alaska, Oregon, and D.C. join Washington and Colorado in the Legal Marijuana Club. Stock of Frito-Lay, the makers of Funyuns, and Cheetos skyrockets. Number four, Donald Sterling's racist comments, which result in a lifetime ban from the NBA. And many folks hope he lives to be 105 and is forced to bunk with Cliven Bundy. Number three, the Obamacare rollout. President said it could have gone smoother. You think? An Anvil study with titanium spikes could have rolled smoother. Number two, Arizona debates Senate Bill 1062, which would legalize bigotry based on religious beliefs. The postal abbreviation AZ apparently stands for angry xenophobes. And yeah, xenophobe starts with an X, but they don't know that. And finally, the number one comedic news story of the year 2014, the midterm elections. Mitch McConnell says he wants to work with the president. Yeah, the same way a five-year-old with a magnifying glass wants to work with ants. For KSCO Radio, I'm Will Durst. Michael Olson's second law of the food chain. The farther we go from the source of our food, the less control we have over what's in our food. Now that so much of our food comes from thousands of miles away, we should all get together Saturday at 9 a.m. as the Food Chain Radio Show tracks down who is putting what in our food. If you have a comment about the second law of the food chain, tell me, Michael Olson, all about it at MetroFarm.com. Now, see you all on KSEO Saturday at 9 a.m. for some What's Eating Grunt Radio on the Food Chain. What day was that? Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, my guest today is Trent Lott. And before the break, we were discussing the fact that being oppositional only fuels paralysis and is not in the best interest of the country. So we need leaders to be willing to put through legislation that may not be perfect and contain everything they want, uh, and then be willing to work to reform and debate and perfect those initiatives. So as I mentioned to you um, earlier, you feel it's important to reverse the new uh, practice in the Senate of allowing for a simple majority vote to confirm executive and judicial nominees instead of the previous 67 votes needed. And this was called the nuclear option, and it was put into place by Democrats in order to stop GOP filibustering. So uh, now that the GOP is in control, uh, the change to majority vote, nah, it's not looking so bad. So is there is there danger that the same majority who has the power to reverse the nuclear option also benefits so uh, it's never going to change? I mean, how do you convince the GOP, who are now the majority, to give up an advantage? Well, first of all, uh, in the 80s and 90s, uh, we did not filibuster federal judges. I think it's a mistake uh, to filibuster a federal judge. And one night, I remember we actually uh, had one being filibustered, and there was a vote that was going to block him by a filibuster. And uh, Senator Warren Hatch and I went to the floor and said, you, you, we just can't start this precedent. And we debated it, and we uh, forced a second vote and reversed it. 
Uh, in the uh, after the turn of the century, there started to being filibusters of federal judges, and it led to this so-called nuclear option. It's called that because you basically sus- uh, suspend the rules, appeal the ruling of the chair, and can reverse an existing rule that passed at the beginning of the session by only 51 votes. So uh, the Republicans made passionate speeches about how this is going to poison the well of the Senate. It was going to cause total gridlock. It was a terrible thing to do. Uh, and they were right. It shouldn't have been done. So I feel very very strongly that next year, just very calmly, they should put the, what the rule that had been in place for many, many years back in place, and and, and say, and we're not going to filibuster federal judges. Uh, but uh, now they're saying, well, uh, you know, <laughs> they got they have second bell. thoughts. They have yeah, second well, thoughts because they, they're maybe, the majority now. We might, we might like that someday, <laughs> like if we ever get another Republican in the White House. I think that's a mistake. John McCain is right. When he says that the Republicans are going to look pretty hypocritical because they just, you know, said there's going to be a meltdown. This is horrible. We can't do it. Shouldn't do it. Look, it's only a problem when you're the minority. Yeah. So I hope that they will make the the decision to to reverse that. And that would be a very strong uh, sign of good faith and that it's going to be a change in attitude. But, you know, Mitch McConnell can't just order that. Uh, He has to have the votes from his conference to support it. And they are debating it within the conference. It'll be very interesting to see how that turns out. I I think it will tell us a lot. It could. (laughs) Uh, Because because what it's going to tell us is, for real, the GOP is concerned about making systemic changes and going back to business as usual, or they were just complaining about it because they weren't the majority. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as you said at the beginning of the show, Rebecca, I was in the minority, I was in the majority, and I was a leader both ways. And uh, I can assure you that it's a lot tougher, but, you know, uh, being majority leader, but it's much preferable, especially if you can get some things done uh, that you care about, uh, that's important for the defense of our country or the jobs of the American people. Uh, They need to take a look, I think, very seriously at uh, doing some tax reform uh, that would make our our tax code make a little more sense and that would encourage uh, the creation of jobs and would allow us to be more competitive in the world. America has the highest corporate tax rates of any developed country now in the world. Well, I'm and glad we you brought that up. Our, our tax code is now 75,000 pages. Yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Now, I'm an, I'm an evolutionary hand. biologist by training. We, we can't handle 75,000 no. pages. I, I, no. I, 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 you know, I, I'm always amazed at what we expect the American people to actually really be able to deal with, the level yeah. of complexity and problems. If a tax code is 75,000 pages, a person who tries to sell file is a fool. Uh, absolutely. And by the way, we have not had uh, really major tax reform. We've had tax cut bills and tax raising bills, but we have not had fundamental tax reform since 1986 when Ronald Reagan was president. And we had a cooperation between Ronald Reagan, Tip O'Neill, the Speaker of the House, and, and a lot of uh, Bob Dole, the Republican. And had, we had a good tax reform. And go back and look at what happened with the economy when we did it. It exploded. So, yeah, it's due, and uh, that's something that I hope that Mitch McConnell uh, and Harry Reid will say to Orrin Hatch, the Republican chairman, and Ron Wyden, the Democratic uh, ranking member on on the Finance Committee, take this issue up and get us a bill before the year's out. I I think more importantly, you know, the best thing that the GOP could really look at is making things simpler, just just simplifying them for the American people, because complexity always benefits those who have money to get experts and resources. And so the the people that are hurt the most when we have tax codes that are 75,000 pages or the recent torture report, which is 7,000 pages, even if you're a responsible American that wanted to understand that report, who's got time to read 7,000 pages? No question. You know, and so I, I think they, they need to understand that, you know, most families are, uh, they're two working families, uh, two, two working parents. Uh, they're struggling right now to, uh, to, to live responsibly. And the more complicated that we make things, uh, the more impossible it is for, uh, for American citizens to be responsible for themselves. Right. And I think that leads to the type of pessimism that we're seeing. I was just looking at the most recent Pew report that shows that, you know, the great majority of American people are the most pessimistic they've been about next year and the future is that they've been since the 1930s. 
And you say, well, wait a minute, uh, you know, uh, unemployment's down to 5.8%. The stock market is, you know, 17,500. Uh, you know, it looks like growth is occurring. Why is that? Well, it's because they are despondent about, uh, you know, a lot of people quit looking for a job. Other people are underemployed. People are worried about the direction of the country. They see gridlock in Washington. They worry about what's going on around the world. We, it's time. We need leadership and action in Washington that reinstates the faith and does some things to cause growth in the economy that is broad uh, spread throughout the economy. And not just the not just the middle or, or the upper, but the the lower too. That allows them to get go up that uh, ladder of employment. And so uh, we 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 it is time. That it we it is time. And and you know it's awfully hard to talk about uh, these problems without talking about the media's role in fanning this polarization. And you've pointed out the public now tends to line up with the news sources that they agree with. So their viewpoint is reinforced every minute of every day. Um, sure. Maybe you could speak to the role the media has played in in undermining leadership. Well, the role uh, the media clearly has a role, and uh, I don't know quite how we got into this situation or what we do about it. But you know, now uh, Americans of different philosophical points of view, uh, they don't even watch the same TV uh, program. Some people watch uh, Fox News twenty four seven. Others watch MSNBC. It just reinforces your own point of view. You don't have a real debate about you know what what are the options and where is the middle ground that maybe we could agree on. So uh, they they are they are part of the problem. I picked up the paper. I think it was uh, you know Monday morning. And every article that I looked at in the Washington Post, uh, the Wall Street Journal, and the New York Times were all downers. Uh, yeah, and, well, and Dan I, Rather was on uh, our program last week, and he says but, that all the media is now cons- uh, controlled by four to six media conglomerates, and that's why right. everything yeah. looks homogeneous. Yeah. But the other side of it is people do have access to uh, a lot more than the so-called legacy or traditional media through this uh, social media, which has just right. exploded. And uh, and then some of that worries me. When I look at some of the things that I see <laughs> on the Internet, I think that's crazy. <laughs> well, there's there's no oversight. That's the whole issue yeah. there. You know, you can't. And what's how do you tell a, a, a legitimate report from uh, something that's yeah. completely false? Yeah, right. And, and it's, it's a ru- it's it's dangerous. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a it's dangerous. I mean, the Internet reporting to me is just very dangerous because there's no way to confirm sources right. or verify it. Um, right. All right. We're going to take our final break. We'll be okay. right back okay. with more from Trent Lott. You're listening to the Costa Report. fortunate to have Scott Caraccioli with us to explain how the process of making sparkling wines influences a winemaker's approach to making a Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Yeah, it's really a driving factor in terms of style and really kind of making it a little bit more old world. Um, we use all French oak, which is the same thing that we use in our sparkling wines. So I would imagine that someone who's not making sparkling wines will take a totally different approach. Yeah, it's a matter of viewpoint when it comes down to when you have a French winemaker making bubbles, you end up with a leaner, more European style of wine. To find out more about Caraccioli Wines, visit us at www.caracciolicellars.com or stop by our tasting room in downtown Carmel, California. That's Caraccioli Cellars, C-A-R-A-C-C-I-O-L-I, Cellars, where you have to spell it to drink it. Holiday season is just around the corner, and I want to share one of my favorite tips for being able to avoid that last-minute dash to buy something that screams, I didn't put much thought into this. Now imagine a different scenario this year. Imagine the surprise on your loved one's face when they open the first page of the Watchman's Rattle and see a custom dedication in their name by the author. The best part is it's so easy. Just go to RebeccaCosta.com, do it right now, and click on the book cover and presto. In less than three minutes, you can request the inscription you want. So do it now. Go to RebeccaCosta.com and this year, give an affordable, thoughtful gift that says, 
This is for you and only you. That's RebeccaCosta.com. Here's a question for the season. What can we get the person who has everything? Everything like an RV, a Class B motorhome, horse trailer, boat trailer, toy hauler. Well, let's check with Rena Mills at RV Service Center, 2525 Mission, way up at the top of Santa Cruz. Rena, what can we get the person who has just about everything? The perfect gift for the person who has everything is a gift certificate from RV Service Center. Well, what makes a gift certificate from RV Service Center a perfect gift? Because the person who has everything can use it for whatever they need to keep their rigs rolling. But that's not all. I'll bet you have something to make the perfect gift even more perfect. What is it, Rena? Sure do, Michael. RV Service Center will give each holiday gift certificate recipient an additional 20% off service and accessories. It's our way of saying thank you for keeping your business local. Wow, that's like a gift within a gift. Happy holidays from your friends at RV Service Center. 2525 Mission, way up at the top of Santa Cruz. Hello? Hi, Grandma. No, Grandma, I can't fix your computer. I'm sorry it's so slow, but I don't know what to do with it. You clicked on what? You better call user-friendly computing, because I can fix any PC, Mac, or laptop. They'll even come to your house and pick it up. But if you bring it to the shop, they'll give you a free $50 diagnostic just for saying you heard their ad on KSCO. No, Grandma. Downloading that free internet software won't save you time or money. Let's face it. Most of your computer problems these days start with the user being tricked into clicking on a link that contains a path to computer hell. User-friendly computing will have you back on track fast. User-friendly computing is locally owned at 505 River Street across from Gateway Plaza. Or you can give them a call at 831-423-9653. That's 831-423-9653. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa and my guest today is Trent Lott. Mr. Lott, there, there's no question that the United States stands as an example of democracy and the rule of law for the rest of the world. Uh, but uh, when you start stringing together some of the activities which were brought forward by WikiLeaks and Edward Snowden, and we look at this recent torture report uh, that was released, and, uh, and, and we also look at the gridlock and the name-calling and infighting which has been going on, I, I worry about the kind of picture that we're painting for the rest of the world. I mean, we're, we're behaving like parents who argue in front of their kids, and then we wonder why their kids start acting out. Do, do you see any connection between the loss of international respect and the, the greater instability that we're experiencing in the world today? Yeah, I think there's a connection. And when I do have occasion still to meet with uh, leaders from around the world, usually friends and allies, uh, that, uh, you know, do look to us as an example of, of freedom and democracy, and they look to us for leadership, and they look for us to, to for responsible conduct. And they're beginning to say, you know, can we really count on your your leadership and your support if it's an ally? And then some of our uh, enemies are saying, you know, uh, are you the, the, the powerful paradigm, you know, paradigm of uh, democracy and, and action that you used to be? That, and that really concerns me. So it's, it's not just, uh, you know, things like the CIA report and things like, you know, uh, the wars we've been involved in and what's going on now and, you know, all over the world in Africa and Middle East. Uh, and then what, what are we doing about it and, and in what way? And then you look, uh, connect that to what's going on in Washington, talk about gridlock. Uh, the, the United States Congress has never in the last 52 years failed to pass the annual National Defense Authorization Act, the defense bill. Mm-hmm. As of yesterday, it had not passed. Now, I'm, they're going to pass it, and, uh, and maybe in, uh, you know, in the next 24 hours they'll get it complete and get it to the president for his signature. But uh, even defense, when we've got men and women still you know, putting their lives on the line, we can't even agree on the defense authorization. But this bill. is the kind of thing that I mean makes us look incompetent. It really does. I, I mean, we've got to be worried about the optics of how we're looking to the rest of the world, because certainly the rest of the world is looking at us. 
But the answer is one simple word, Rebecca. I mean, you can talk about the details, you can talk about the different issues, but it really boils down to leadership. Men and women that will step up and, and put, put at risk their own reelection. Uh, but and say we're going to do this, and we're going to we're going to find a way to work together, and we're going to take the responsible position. It has to begin at the White House with the president. He has to be willing to work with a Congress that he may not particularly want to deal with. Uh, they're a problem. But you know, uh, I had to work with uh, uh, with uh, George Bush, but I also worked for eight you know eight years with Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we got things done. Well, uh, to this but, end, you've recommended to McConnell that uh, these incoming freshmen, that he had to grab hold of them yeah. from day one. Right. Uh, I use the word that I get criticized for, and I, I, I said he should co-opt them, but what does that mean? That means bring them in. Make sure you know them. Listen to them. Uh, let them uh, participate in the debate. Get them in on the takeoff, and they'll be more likely to be in on the landing. Uh, but if you start trying to isolate them, if you don't pay attention to them, if you don't pull them in close to you, they'll get away. And then you'll have, you know, uh, in the Senate, the big problem now is you've got the far left and you've got the far right. And, and this, the middle ground has is, is just disappeared. And so when you've got that kind of gridlock, trying to piece together 51 votes, let alone 60, which is what you need most of the time in the Senate, mm-hmm. is almost impossible. Mm-hmm. You can't. The, the Republicans are now in the majority. They got 54 votes. Well, as a Republican, I say hooray. But most of the time, they're not going to be able to get a bill finally through without at least six Democrats to get that's to right. 60. And but you know, I I know this is idealistic. But these incoming freshmen, what a wonderful thing it would be if McConnell and uh, Obama, or even the minority leader. Uh, would sit down with the freshmen and say, you know, you're here to get a job done, and there's only one way to do that. Yeah. We we have to I find think, common ground, and yeah. uh, and for the sake of the American people, we've got to move forward somehow, some way, and that's why you're here. And make no mistake about it, you you're going to be there are going to be extreme elements in the Senate. They're going to try to recruit you. Resist. Yeah, I think that the 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 twelve new members they have on the Republican side. And I, I don't know as much about the Democratic side, but uh, most of them are experienced hands. Uh, you, you know, whether it's Joni Ernst from Iowa, who was a state legislator, she's an officer in the National Guard, or Shelley Moore Capito from West Virginia, she was she's a member of Congress. Uh, and so, but this is a pretty good group. You don't have mm-hmm. any real, you know, ideological warriors. They're 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 solid philosophically, and I'm sure that the Democrats are going to be solid too. But if uh, I think Mitch McConnell will sit down and talk to them and try to involve them, but it, it needs to be more than him. It needs to be John Cornyn from Texas, the Whip, that will talk to him about how the Whip system works, and John Thune from South Dakota that talk to him about the policy that they're trying to adopt. But it's important that you not just talk at them; you got to listen to them too. They're they're bringing the latest message from the hinterland. That's right. You know? That's right. Well, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you invite them over there to the Bipartisan Policy Center. And uh, you, Bob Dole, Tom Daschle, Howard Baker, George Mitchell, Olympia Snow, all the other impressive roster of powerful thinkers you have there, maybe sit them down also. (laughs) (laughs) And give them the benefit of your your service. Well, I was supposed to meet today with the the new incoming senator from uh, Arkansas, Tom Cotton. He called over and asked me if I'd be willing to sit down with him. And I said, of course I will, and it turned out that they're, it, it, uh, you know, they're in gridlock right now, and he wasn't <laughs> able to come. But we're going to reschedule after the first year, and, and I'm, I'm delighted to have a chance to talk to him. And one of the what I'm going to say to him is pretty simple. Look, don't come in with the attitude, I'm going to burn this place down. Come in with the attitude, I'm going to figure out how it works and how I can become a player in actually getting things done for Arkansas, whether it's in agriculture or education, or you know, national security. I'm going to be a player to produce a result. And if he will do that, if he'll pick a few issues that he really wants to get knowledgeable in, go to the floor and speak on them, offer amendments, debate them. He'll be a real player because he's brilliant. You know, he's got I think two degrees from Harvard. You know, and he was a you know non-com in, in Iraq. I mean, he's got a tremendous resume. Mm-hmm. The question is, how will he ad- adapt? to the waters of the Senate. Mm-hmm. Will he make them rougher, or will he help smooth them out? 
Now, I, I'll tell you, I could keep you over for two hours because uh, <laughs> you're singing my hymn here. Now, But unfortunately, we, we don't have any other right. time left, and I, right. I apologize for the uh, the technical no snafu we had no earlier problem. on. But uh, before we say goodbye, I, I want to thank you for your service and your great work at the Bipartisan Policy Center. Uh, thank you for joining us today, Mr. Lott. Thank you, Rebecca. I enjoyed it. Now, if your station is leaving us after this first hour and you have a question or a comment to make about our interview with Trent Law today, you can email me at RebeccaCosta.com or drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, What would you like to see from the new GOP-led Senate? Um, What would signal to you that the left and the right are ready to begin working together for the good of all Americans? And what role can former legislators or or the media even uh, play in bringing pressure to bear on Congress and the president? Maybe you have some thoughts about what we can expect in the months ahead. You can send your comments to me uh, by going to our webpage at RebeccaCosta.com. That's my name.com. Just click on the word contact at the top of the homepage and it'll usher you over to a page where you can leave your remarks. And if you Miss the full interview with Trent Lauder or any of our other guests. Remember, you can download previous episodes of the Costa Report from our website, Apple iTunes, Podbean, and our YouTube channel. You'll also find our weekly radio blog, which captures the headline news from our interview each week. So if you miss a program, you can still catch what our guests had to say by reading the radio blog. And while you're at the website, make a point to order your copy of the Watchman's Rattle before it's too late. We have a limited number of first edition hardcover copies left, which can be dedicated inscribed to someone that you love. I mean, where else are you going to get a customized gift for under $20? So just go to RebeccaCosta.com, click on the book cover, and it'll take you right over to a page where you can order the book. Do it now. And uh, be sure to indicate who you want the book dedicated to. Uh, And the best news of all, 100% of book proceeds go towards keeping excellent interviews like the one you just heard uh, on the air. My guest next week has been called a traitor, a patriot, and America's first modern whistleblower, Mr. Daniel Ellsberg, notorious for releasing the Pentagon Papers, uh, will be with us to talk about what business and government transparency truly mean. Don't miss Daniel Ellsberg next week on the only weekly news program that puts policy ahead of politics. Now stay tuned for a second hour of Straight Talk Radio. You're listening to The Costa Report. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network it's staff and management.